Hi, my name is Ali Reza Mujibian, and welcome to Noteworthy. Eva Tavares is the definition of the term triple threat on stage and in life. She most recently starred as Christine Daae in the North American tour of The Phantom of the Opera, and when she isn't on stage, she's helping mentor young artists across North America and the United Kingdom. We met in 2010 as part of the newest incoming class to the UBC School of Music. The next four years were filled with many long nights of studying, coupled with unforgettable moments on stage. I'm excited to have Eva join me as we talk about her path after graduating, her love for nature, and how she has managed to strike the balance between her career and her personal life. Hello, Eva. How are you? Hi, I love that intro. <laughs> You're I'm so, so great happy you it. like it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds beautiful. When we were in school, I was always impressed, incredibly impressed, and in awe with how you could literally do everything. Um, dance, sing, act, choreograph, teach us who knew nothing. When did you start taking an interest or training in all these different disciplines? Well, it's um, it's a bit of a long and meandering story, but I'll try to keep it short. I started out as a dancer. I was put in ballet when I was like two and a half, three. And I really thought I was going to be a dancer for the longest time. And then I auditioned to get into Langley Fine Arts in Fort Langley. And they suggested I do some more singing. And I thought, okay, my my grandmother was an opera singer. And so she was telling me to sing more for most of my childhood. Um, but because, you know, she's your grandmother, you don't listen to the same way as to her in the same way that that a teacher saying oh you really should get some solo singing lessons you know uh, uh, as soon as he said that that was the best idea anyone had ever had but my nana, nana had been saying it for years and years and years so I started singing and um then auditioned ended up doing my bachelor's degree with you at UBC and after that was done it was just kind of like well let's see what's gonna stick and I knew that I loved musical theater and I knew that I kind of had two out of the three requirements for for being a triple threat, as you said earlier. It's so funny saying that because I, I, I want to own that better. I want to be able to say, yes, I am a triple threat. But of course, your ego gets in the way and says, that's a strange thing to say. So don't say it. But I can say I am a triple threat now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then after I finished my bachelor's degree, I knew that I needed more acting training, that that was a, something that was a deficit in my training. So I started jumping into private classes and courses, and I ended up um, doing some training at um, the Banff Center um, through the Citadel Theater and um, with Peter Jorgensen, who runs Patrick's Day Productions. And I was just really hungry for it. So I was just trying to find um, as many opportunities as I could. And then, yeah, so that was, it kind of was just like, it's hard to describe. It just, I just am so hungry for serving this work at the highest level. And so whatever I needed to do to, to, you know, further my journey, you know, on that path, I just went for it. I know that over the last few years, especially um, with all the incredible uh, performances that you've been a part of, um, it hasn't been the easiest being able to come back home and spend some quality time. And I know it's not the most optimum reason to be back, but what have you been up to? And I really want to know what a permaculture farm is. 
uh, because I know you have a farm and I know it's very active. Uh, you can follow Eva on Instagram. I'll ask you to, to describe, uh, give us your Instagram page as well. But how, how did that come about? I guess it was 2014. My parents, you know, we had always had small properties of sorts, you know, hobby farms. And my parents just woke up one morning and, and thought, you know, we're talking to talk about sustainability and environmental awareness, and we're really not walking the walk. So they sold all of their properties, left their jobs, and bought 88 acres up in the Shushwap here, um, and have turned it into an off-grid permaculture farm. Basically, we're totally self-sustainable for power, water, sewage. Um, you know, we, we, we have our own ways of creating heat and, and all of those good things. Um, the permaculture part of it is basically there's certain areas of the farm, not the entire farm, but there's certain areas of the farm where the um, plants and trees and, you know, growing things are situated in a way that kind of creates its own self-sufficient ecosystem. So, um, for example, like you have a taller tree placed beside a smaller bush because the tree leaves when they fall and and they will cover the roots of the smaller plant so that they can survive through colder weather, that kind of thing. So it's, it's basically um, created so that the plants support each other. It's just, it's a new, not, I guess it's not really very new. It's something that's been going on for years and years and years. There's definitely been a resurgence of this awareness of like plant supporting plants. Um, and then in addition, you know, things like the slow food initiative, which talks about how, Animals on your property also support plant growth. So, you know, having sheep roaming around and fertilizing your ground and um, ducks and different things like that. It's really um, just a um, very mindful way of living. I have to ask, how many lovely different, lovely different little creatures do you have? Currently, we have chickens, turkeys, sheep, uh, horses, cows. Dogs, cats, bees. That's everything. So, wait, did you say goats? No, we don't have goats right now. I know, it's so sad. You don't have any goats? I was going to ask you if you have any funny goat stories. Because no, you always have no, funny goat sheep. stories. No, just sheep. Just sheep. You know, it's funny. I'll tell you the funny stories, though. I've got lots of those. Um, when I got back... <laughs> so, I was actually in New York up until the day before Broadway closed, which I think was March 11th. Um, and I had to, it's a long story, but I actually had to fly back here in a very hectic, chaotic manner, um, to be here for my mom who has not been very well. Um, and, uh, but I got here right when the lambing season was hitting. So all these lambs were popping out all over the place. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm usually my mom's helper as far as animals are concerned. And I actually had to really get involved this year. We had a couple of lambs that got stuck. So, you know, I'll get a knock, knock on my bedroom door saying, your arms are small enough to get inside a sheep. Please come out and help me. Um, and, you know, it's a really <laughs> funny thing to have literally been in New York, seeing shows, auditioning in New York on the Broadway, and then literally days later have my arm up to my shoulder in a sheep trying to help her give birth. It's just a really interesting dichotomy I've got going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, but you know, of all the people I know in my life, you are the only one who that picture fits for. <laughs> 
how how was it uh the last few days where you were when you were in new york and 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 um um how was the how was the travel experience coming back did you did you have to quarantine for the 14 days what happened yeah so i oh man i was so grateful i ended up actually being in new york for just under a month um which was not planned but it just kind of happened that way and i was so grateful to have had that time because i got to see you know a bunch of shows a couple of which are not opening back up again when when this stuff has passed um so it was amazing um but it was interesting. Literally, I left the day before they closed Broadway and everything was pretty much operating as normal, you know, which is part of probably why, you know, they've had issues over there as far as controlling the virus. Um, people, I, I saw a few people with masks, a few people with gloves, but overall it was busy, busy, busy. People were going about their business. I think everyone was kind of in denial as to what was actually going on. Traveling was pretty piece of cake. I mean, I was one of maybe three people on the plane. I wore my mask and and now I've been up in the middle of nowhere ever since. So it's it's been quite the journey. I know everybody under the sun asks you um, about Phantom. Were you, did someone, did someone say you would be perfect for Christine? Did you go in just auditioning for Christine? Um, so I was working on this show called Suzanne. Um, and I was working as a swing. So it meant that I was an understudy for eight different tracks. And here's little me just finished my undergrad, done a couple regional things, uh, surrounded by Stratford alum, Broadway alum, you know, it was very overwhelming, but, um, our music director was David Caddick, who is the music director for Phantom on Broadway. Sweetest man alive. I adore him. Um, I was actually coaching with uh, Victoria Clark, who is the star of the show. She played Madame Suzaska. She is still a mentor of mine, and I actually have lessons with her every week. Um, and she, you know, it, it was crazy when I got into the show and she was there because I had literally watched her career from from go she had won her tony for light in the piazza she was a classically trained singer um just a stunning actress as well i could go on and on about her um so i was coaching with her and she put the bug in david's ear saying she is she's doing a really great job we'd love your feedback and so he came in and listened to me sing and gave me some feedback which was great and then one day as a swing you have to watch the show a lot to make sure that you get all the changes and everything else. And I was sitting in the audience with him because he had to watch the show as well. And he's a very quiet, stoic, loving man. And he's not, he, he doesn't always have many words, but they're always the best words. And he just, he was sitting next to me. He just turned to me and he said, how do you feel about singing for Christine? And I said, Oh yeah, that sounds great. You could not have just passed that by and just said, Oh, great. <laughs> did, yeah. Or did it? Did no, you say, "Oh, great!" And then it, I and then it hit you. I to play chill, Allie. I mean, I know, but also, wow. Okay, that's a lot of restraint. I'm, I'm very impressed. I, okay, yeah. Please continue. I just said, I just said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Anyway, so David and I did this tape. It literally took us ten minutes. Um, my perfectionist brain was like, "I can do that better. Let's do it again." He's like, "No, no, that's great." He was at the piano conducting me. I still have the tape somewhere. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Um. 
And then I didn't hear anything. Our show in Toronto closed. I went back to Vancouver. I had a friend who was quite ill at the time, so I was coming back to be in the hospital with him. And um, I think about three months later, I got a phone call from my agent saying, they want to see you in New York. Can you fly out this weekend? Bear in mind, I was paying for every flight and every hotel and every expense at this point. You know, these aren't flights that I've booked in advance. These are flights I'm booking within 24 hours, right? Because that's how these things work. So it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of money, um, but I was hungry and I would want to make it happen. So and anyways, the second phone call was, can you come out to New York? Hal Prince and Andrew Lloyd Webber want to see you sing. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I flew out, um, you know, and there was, I think there was four of us in total that were two, two Christines and two Phantoms that were being seen by Hal and Andrew. And um, it was very quick. They were both super kind to me. I, I I was able to chat with them a little bit at the beginning. And um, I think I was in there for maybe 10 minutes tops. And most of that time, I don't remember at all. I think I blacked out. And then I, I uh, left and flew back to Vancouver the next day. And um, yeah, and then I waited maybe five or six weeks before I got the phone call that I had booked the tour. How did you enjoy it? Uh, what was it? What was it like? What were the people like? Um, um... People always say um, when I tell them what I, you know, that contract that I did, they always say, oh, you were living the dream. And it, it, that's absolutely true. I was absolutely living the dream. But it's also it's kind of I I compare it to um, and I'm actually kind of stealing this from my friend Katie Travis, who's the Christine that I took over for. She actually coined this phrase, and I just think it sums it up perfectly. When 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 a couple wants to have a baby so bad, they're just thinking, oh, you know, I'm, this is going to be wonderful. We're going to complete our family. We're going to have this baby. It's going to be it's just so brilliant and wonderful, and 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 we're going to be complete, and it's going to be amazing. And then they have the baby and it's all of those things, but also you're not sleeping for, you know, 10 years of your life. You're dealing with illness. You're dealing with a screaming child. Um, you're, you're sleep deprived. You're stressed out of your mind. You're trying to, you know, create this very important, beautiful thing. And that's really how tour felt for me. It was, it was a huge responsibility. Phantom for so many people, it's their first show. And it was my first show as well. I saw it at, the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver when I was 10. And I remember walking out of the theatre and saying, yeah, I want to do that to my mom. And then, of course, my first show when I joined tour was in the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver. So it, it was a huge responsibility because this show means so much to so many different people. So, you know, you want to do your your best. You want to serve it well. You want to, um, you know, do. and for me, it's the biggest contract I've done, period. So, you know, and, and being a perfectionist and being someone who really wanted to hold myself to the, to the highest level of work and, and, um, artistry, you know, it's, it's a big job and the touring life itself is very difficult. It's, it's every two weeks you're in a new city with new allergens, new air quality, new hotel room, new Airbnb, and your body hates that, <laughs> especially my body. We had a running joke saying that every city there was something different this city it's food poisoning next city it's bronchitis the city after that it's a broken foot it's you know just fill in the blank all of those things aside like a tough way of life but 
it has entirely changed my life, changed who I am. And I was on tour with the best people, some of my best, best friends now, and just the most inspiring artists you could put in one cast, really. Um, and I know that's not always the case. Sometimes people don't get along on the road and we really had a charmed cast, just beautiful people. So um, it was it was extremely positive and totally life-changing and I'm immeasurably grateful for it. Can I ask, how was balancing your own personal life and, and, and mental health during those two years when you were on the road, if I can ask? I mean... I'll, I'll be real with you. I had more anxiety on that tour than I have ever had in my life. The pressure is high. As I said, you know, I was so invested in serving that show and serving that, that fan base and that community and, and my, and my team, my coworkers, my cast. Um, and it wasn't at the beginning, the anxiety came more actually to the end, um, which I'm still kind of unpacking now. Um, and yeah, it, um, my mental health was definitely up and down. The Christine track is very isolated. You don't, I mean, you can't really go out and, and have silly times with cast members as much as an ensemble member could because it's such a strenuous job and a strenuous show. So I was isolated in that way. And then just in the show itself, you're basically on, on stage for two hours straight so the people that you see the most are people you see on stage or your dressers backstage who became like my total family. Um, when I got a little bit more comfortable in the role at near the end of my first year, I was able to be a little bit more open to having social experiences. And I, I found my people um, on tour and those people became the people that I knew I could spend time with outside of the show that that wouldn't have me compromise my, um, my, my professional needs, you know, um, my, my alternate Emma who ended up taking over for me as, at, when I left, um, she is my, she's my girl. She's my, my best, best friend. And, and she's someone who truly understands what it takes to do that part. And therefore we were able to support each other in a way that was really super special and continues to be that way. Um, so once once I figured that out, uh, that balance a little bit better midway through my time, um, it was a lot easier. But near the end of my time on tour, um, there was definitely some performance anxiety that came into it, which was hysterical because no one ever knew <laughs> unless I was telling them about it. Because on stage, it was my show. I was doing my show, but my body was just freaking out. And it was something that was really very new to me. And, and it's something that I'm still unpacking now and something that I have been, um, I've been, I've been taking lessons every week um, since this quarantine happened with my mentor and my coach in Vancouver. And something that I'm realizing as I'm talking to these professionals who have been doing this for many, many years longer than I have is that you, we're not alone in that. Um, people do have to start over. People do have bouts of anxiety. People do have mental health stuff that feels debilitating and you work through it and then you, it's different after that, you know, not in a bad way even. it's It just gives you more knowledge to bring forward into whatever you do next. So I'm 
I, whenever someone comes to me with anxiety, I can now say, I totally know where you're at and I know that it's going to change. And that's, that's a gift in itself for me as a coach, being able to say that I have common ground with people. I think that's the gift in that kind of anxiety and that kind of mental health struggle is, is that now I'm able to serve others in, in a more grounded and um, real way. Is there any advice that you would give uh, to a young Christine or anyone who wants to enter um, the world of musical th- musical theater? Um, any advice that you would give? Any any tips or tricks um, that other than hard work and dedication um, that mm-hmm. might help them on their path? Man, I have so many. I love talking to people about this, but when 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 I get asked that question, I feel like I want to talk for three hours because I'm still figuring it out. Right. I mean, I, you and I have been in the room together and seen me work. I I don't have all the answers. I'm still figuring it out myself. And I think that's the, the biggest thing about being an artist is you're always going to be learning. And I think that's, that's something that I am still wrestling with. I think the biggest thing that has served me in my career is I seek out mentorship. I look for people in positions that I um, aspire to or respect or, you know, that people who inspire me. And I say, what have they got going on? Can I talk to them about it? Can I, can I coach with them? Can I, you know, have a connection with them that's going to, you know, enrich my own learning? those that circle of community is so important because we can feel very isolated um when we're working on our craft and and I think it's really important to keep that communication going that dialogue um another big thing and kind of in that same vein is that I I really um bang on doors when I auditioned for Suzatska I was I had flown into Toronto for a 48-hour trip for a different audition. And my agent had said, um, you know, I know you're leaving tomorrow, but there is uh, a producer in town who wants to see you for a show. He's looking for someone who can play 16, who has classical singing training and classical dance training. And would you be willing to meet with him and his production partner in his office just for him to get a feel of who you are? And I don't know what he's going to ask me to do or what the outcome is. So I had clothing on that kind of made me look like a 16-year-old dancer, which is what he was looking for. And um, I had a song in my head. I had a monologue in my head. And um, this was also Garth Drabinsky, who is a little bit infamous in in the Canadian scene. But he is someone who um, he's very passionate about what he does. And I, I really appreciate that part of him. Um, and he has been a very, he's, he's been a huge support to me in, in the capacity when we were working together. Um, but anyways, I got into his office and he's a very straight shooting guy. He's asking me a bunch of pretty blunt questions. And, um, as I was leaving the meeting, I was getting up to go and his production partner said, you know, I'm so sorry that we weren't able to arrange a proper audition. We, we don't have a pianist. We don't have a space for you to dance. And I said, well, this is a pretty big office. I could probably do whatever you need me to do here. 
And she said, are you comfortable with that? I said, absolutely. Um, so I took my shoes off and she showed me some choreography and I learned it in his carpeted corner office. And um, then he said, all right, can you sing something? I said, yeah. So I sang some West Side Story because I had just, I was just going to do West Side Story at that time. Um, and then uh, I did a monologue and he said, okay, great. Keep your summer open. And I remember walking out of that meeting thinking, am I insane? Did I just do that? I, I think I just did that. And I remember calling my agent saying, I think that went well. I think it did. And I don't know where that, that gumption came from, but it was just, I think it was just that mentality of like, I am here in this moment and I'm going to take advantage of this right now. Going back to the topic of sustainability, uh, one of the really cool things you did while you were on tour was start hashtag Green Christine. Where did that story start? Well, as we, we mentioned, my my parents have this off-grid sustainable farm and I was on tour in the States mm -hmm. and, and going to certain, and actually in Canada too, certain cities where, you know, people aren't recycling, people aren't composting. And coming from Vancouver, I just thought yeah. that was ludicrous. So I, I, you know, made some calls and talked to the Broadway Green Alliance and started this initiative called the, the Green Christine Initiative. So every city we'd find a place to take our compost, take our recycling, and um, and it was a full-time job. <laughs> but um, it was so rewarding, and I, I was <laughs> pretty vocal about it on my Instagram. Um, so when I when I joined the tour, I don't think I had Instagram. I think I was my, – my publicist for the show had encouraged me to get it. And within days of me booking the show, of course, you have 30 years of – of fans who, who want to see who you are. And so I had a fan base all of a sudden and I thought, well, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm going to start talking about things that I think are important. Initially, some of my cast was, was pretty dubious about me doing this and, and being so vocal about it. But then I started to get messages from fans talking about them starting their own compost in their backyard and people at the stage door, mm -hmm. you know, saying green Christine, you know, we've, we've been, following all your posts and um and I just started to feel like it was making an impact small but enough for mm -hmm. me to think you know this was worth it and I was I was so grateful for that you know if you have a platform of any kind you got to talk about stuff right you know that's it's yes. it's the whole concept of privilege yes. you know with privilege comes responsibility you're put in a situation and and therefore you have to do something about it Have you been working on any new projects during quarantine, uh, secretly prepping anything? I know you do a lot of body work in your in your free time. I know uh, you, you do post about that on Instagram, and it's it's really cool to see. Um, I, I joined in on that little uh, dance thing you did a couple days ago just for, for myself. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Um, I encourage anyone who's listening to go and do it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a really good break from your day, especially if you've had a long day. Um, so yeah, have, have you been prepping anything? Have you been, have you been doing anything, any new, any new projects? I've done a couple little video projects. I had a friend of mine who did, um, she was part of, um, a composition team with my other friend, Kate. They did a quarantine musical that we did online, which was amazing. I did another project, a video project with my resident director from tour that's probably going to come out in the next few weeks. 
um, a video project with him. I actually, this is gonna, this is gonna sound crazy, but I actually booked my first TV film gig, um, while we've been in this pandemic and I just, I just shot it <laughs> this last week. Um, and I have another day of shooting this next week. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, that was a little project I was working on briefly. It's interesting. You bring up the movement thing that that's been a really, I think I've talked about it in, in those posts, I always say something along the lines of, I haven't always felt motivated to move. And that's been a big theme on this quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I wish I was, um, more motivated to do more creative movement or movement in general, but it's, it hasn't been where, um, my brain, my heart, my body's been wanting to go. And so I'm kind of trying to be okay with that and know that when the inspiration hits, it hits and I have a great time. And I think that's a big, you know, theme of this, this quarantine pandemic moment that we're in, you know, there's so much learning that does come from just sitting in it. It doesn't have to be go, 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 do, do, do. That's great if you feel that that's something you're called to do. But there's there's also learning and productivity in just being because we we really don't get that chance very often. And, and what a gift. And I'm saying that out loud and knowing that I also need to be reminded of that myself. <laughs> um, what do you have playing on your quarantine playlists? Oh, man. Such a I'm long for this. list. Let me just bring up my Spotify and I will tell you. I have been listening to the podcast 1619. I'm working my way through that, which is great. Um, it's you know, incredible. on the black yes, on the Black Lives Matter side of things, I have also have a couple friends who have made um, Black Lives Matter or Blackout Tuesday playlists that I've been um, listening through. Um Mm -hmm. I I'm listening to a lot of um, India Ari. I'm just I'm looking through my my new favorite guy is Samot S A M O H T. He is incredible. Um, okay. I really am into Alina Baraz. Um, weirdly enough, I'm I'm doing a lot of like throwback Rihanna right now. Coldplay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find. There's one. Um, I'm just trying to find this one specific song. Steely Dan's on here. H-E-R. Mm. Um, I know everyone's... Oh, Anne Brun, she's she's classic for me. I know everyone's really into Hamilton right mm -hmm. now because it's been it's been on the um on the Disney Plus, which I haven't uh, watched Disney yet. Plus. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, so it's it's definitely a melange. <laughs> um Eva Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Um, you are a dear, dear friend, and this was so much fun, and it was so cool to uh, to hear about your your path and your journey. Um, and I'd love for you to come back at some point and tell us what you're going to be doing after quarantine once <laughs> things unravel, um, and also once the show airs. I'm excited for that as well. Um, as always, a big thank you to Mr. Duncan Watts Grant for editing and producing the show. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to Noteworthy. If you do th green things, green projects, make sure to hashtag Green Christine. Um, Eva will see it, most likely. Mm -hmm. 